0: The Service Evolution Podcast is brought to you by CGP Maintenance and Construction Services, Inc. We'll ensure consistently great performance to help keep your business running smoothly. For more information, visit CGPconstruction.com. Welcome to Service Evolution, America's premier destination for service industry leaders. We deliver the advice and insight you need to get ahead in your career, learn new skills and succeed in the competitive world of service. Our podcast features experts from across the country who provide their valuable insight on topics such as branding, strategy building and customer service. Whether you're just starting out or looking for ways to take your company to the next level, Join us and discover how to make a positive impact today. What's up, guys? It's Sean Black at Service Evolution. Man, we, uh, we're we here with Jim Robinson, my co-host. What's up, Jim Robinson?
1: i telling you, it is a perfect day. I'm ready. Let's go to work. I'm excited. I'm, I miss you, man. I miss you like a flu sometimes. I mean, <laughs> and then... <laughs> <laughs> Other times I'm lonely when I don't get to talk to you, just because I, I know I, I need it's that. So
0: much fun doing this with you. There's a
1: check and balance to that, you know. When I hear your there voice, I'm like, "Oh God, it's him," <laughs> or I'm like, "Oh God, thank you, it is him." Yes, yeah, you're welcome. It's all phrasing, you know. I know. Well, this
0: podcast, you know, we're all about the secrets to success in the service industry and talking about this and putting stuff out there and Today, we're going to be talking about breaking through barriers or perceived barriers. Yeah, that's, that's perception. Right? It's all perception. Overcoming obstacles in the service industry uh, and perception of those obstacles is a big deal. Uh, it, it, is, it is something that's real for a lot of people. Uh, it's something that's real in the marketplace for a lot of people. So we're going to hop into it, man. Let's go. Get some get some, uh, some value bombs from you today. Hey, I brought a, I brought a bag full. That's it. Let's bring it. All right. So let's talk about this. The first thing I want to ask you is, is what do you think are some of the the most common hurdles that service industry professionals run into? Like what do they encounter in, in our industry? Oh
1: lots of opportunities <laughs> with that question. That's loaded. It's right. um what will the hurdles for professionals? Most common. Well, teams, lack of training. I mean, there's all kinds of things behind that. Uh, hurdles in the service industry access, accessibility to uh, service providers that are qualified, accessibility to their own teams, access to them and what training they can access. There's tremendous opportunities there. We call them hurdles in this question potentially, but uh, they're, they're different opportunities because those hurdles, they're there like in the Olympians, those hurdles are there so we jump higher and they raise them so we go even higher. So it's really the same concept in business. Certainly service industry is those hurdles are there to grow us, change us, make us think differently. So Hurdles slash opportunity, call it what you will, see how it fits. Uh, optimism, we'll call it an opportunity. Would you add maybe communication to that list as well? We're yeah, just communication. You know, people have been talking about communication certainly as long as I've been around in business, and that's almost 40 years. And the problem is, is that people just end up talking more and more and less, less, uh, less quality of conversation. Less quality of information, uh, less quality and clarity. Mm. Uh, so, communication can be uh, another opportunity to grow, change, you know, change the team, change self. But it, it really comes down to, for me, people end up yapping a lot more, and we could yap less and give better value in the conversation with opportunities
0: or struggles or hurdles. I think sometimes some service companies experience setbacks, and my question is to you: is like what or how can managers, leaders, bounce back stronger from those setbacks uh,
1: and navigate challenges, you know, more successfully? Yeah. Uh, well, one of the things is is that we always talk about ownership internally, and mm-hmm. Errors, owning the error, right? You said it in enough of my meetings, you know how this works. But it's yeah, so I always ask, what do you need to take ownership of? And it's not that I need to hear that there was something that needed to be owned. It's that we embrace the ownership concept. And there's really a powerful behind that because taking ownership of the errors, the mistakes or the misunderstandings, even if it's not you, taking the ownership of that is really a change. Um, That changes everything from the setback and how you navigate through that stuff. Ownership is a giant win. And if you can even tell your client, we own this, we messed up this door. I'm pointing at my door here. We messed that door up. We'll be back today to solve that problem. We just communicated in quality. We took full ownership. It's no longer a threat. It's an opportunity. But there's an opportunity to connect to the client. There's an opportunity to solve the problem. There's an opportunity to correct the behavior that caused the issue to start with. So, I don't know, navigating through that ownership, you have to train it. You have to teach it. You have to have some buy-in. People on the team have to be safe with their ownership. It's when they don't own is when you got to go into that hyper-correct mode. Got to have ownership.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. You do. You absolutely have to have that. I think part of that is, and we were just talking about this today, is really your mindset, you know, having a positive mindset. Uh, and, and, and this is one of the things I admire a lot about you is you have, even when it's hard, <laughs> what I would consider hard to have a positive mindset, you have a positive mindset and you see challenges as growth opportunities. What are some, what would you say are some tips or some advice you would give to, you know leaders to you know support that to to help
1: them maintain that
0: positive mindset
1: the positive mindset is yeah. a, it's a muscle and it uh, I wasn't born that way it's a, it was a, it was a development and my father really taught us that and he really literally he used biblical teachings and you know that's what he used on all of us kids there were six of us and I was even asked this the other day. This is, this is funny. I was asked by a nephew, why are you so different? Much like you're saying this positively. And I said, I'm not. I just view things differently. My brothers and sisters were exposed to the exact same thing I was. They saw the mm-hmm. same stuff, experienced the same thing, but they have a very different perspective. And my perspective started to change for me really young, very young for me. And because it was a lot more comfortable to say it was an opportunity and then grow from it versus how I felt when I would say it was a negative or whoa, that happened to me. Tony Robbins says, you know, things happen for you, not to you. And so uh, just my father taught me that we have to embrace even the negatives because those are truly opportunities to change, grow us and make us see differently. It adds to our empathy, it adds to our compassion for other people. And so that's just been in my core. It's uh, That's how I see things. And to my detriment sometimes, I mean, we can lose Mm. a lot of money sometimes, but the opportunity that changes the individual that's involved with us, changes their lives. And that changes somebody else's life. And then, you know, it's a, it's a world thing. So that's, that's how it is for me. It's, I do see everything. Even when we mess something up, I always say, okay, what did we learn from that? What, what are we going to do different? We're not doing that again. Here's what we learned. How, how are we getting through this? What are we going to do next? And usually yeah. it takes a couple of times of hearing me say that to have the buy-in. They're like, dude, I can just, I can just own that error. And then they really start to grow. And you know, we've, we've grown some really young, young folks into amazing leaders. And this just takes some effort to do that, but it's compassion and tolerate <laughs> challenges, uh, but embrace, them. Really, and, uh, embrace really. them as opportunity. So to the point, it's a muscle. And you have to make sure you feed that muscle correctly and it will grow. You just keep saying, wow, that's happening for me. You've heard me tell recently I started embellishing on having a flat tire on the side of a road and 10,000 cars of every color you could see passed by me at 70 miles an hour. It was an amazing show
0: versus,
1: <laughs> versus I had a flat tire. Was the worst thing that had ever happened to me in my life. I was in danger. <laughs> I could have been killed out there. Right There's a very different perspective on that. And then I met the tow truck driver, Adam, and he took me to Discount Tire. And Joe at Discount was unbelievable. He says, I got you. He had my tire ready to go. What a truly great experience. And it would have never happened if I didn't have a flat tire. So the flat tire was truly the blessing. I don't know if I ever told you.
0: I used that story. (laughs) I stole from you. Yeah, I did. Well, kind of. So my daughter had a flat tire, and I, she was just really upset. And so I was like, "I almost know, I know the story here." So the tow truck driver came, and I was talking with him, and we became friends. I took a selfie of me and the tow truck tow truck driver, and I said it to my daughter. You know, so I stole from you, just <laughs> <laughs> let you know. And it it was actually turned out really great, but it's just it is it is that that uh, muscle you have to flex, and you have to. For other people, you know, you have to flex that for them too. You do. Not you, just for you.
1: If you're truly gonna lead and you're gonna inspire, you have to see <laughs> things positive. You have to see them in reality, of course. You, yes. We're you not do. sugarcoating things and trying to hide. Yeah, it's things. not
0: rainbows and unicorns. I mean, that's
1: not how it works. No. <laughs> but adding the, the positivity to a negative situation will change it very quickly. It usually leads to great ownership, it usually leads to a great education opportunity. There's nothing negative about those. The flat tire tires aren't forever. No. And one of them pops, so? I used to teach my daughter that. She'd get frustrated about something, and I would just say, what if you just said so? And she's like, Dad. I'm like, no, really, just try it. So, so, you know, the front door fell off the hinges. So? That's an opportunity (laughs) to learn how to fix it. Let me get the router. Let me put on some new hinges just an opportunity. That's all it is. It's all it ever is.
0: I think one of the important things for me is um, over the last, really over the last decade is really just the people that surround me. And I was going to ask you like how, when it comes to dealing with industry uh, obstacles, service industry obstacles specifically, how important do you think it is for leaders and managers to have a support network and, and really seek mentorship to help overcome those.
1: Well, I think that's twofold, because if you're mentoring, you yourself, is being you're being mentored. Yeah. And the teacher is taught, uh, much like the judge is judged. It's really, really important that you're continually teaching. I inspire you guys regularly. I try to talk to you guys regularly, my entire team, about Becoming coaching, you know, learn mm-hmm. coaching, get coaching credentials, because there's so much advancement for self in that opportunity, and then others will see that as well. Yes. Those circles of being in those coaching groups, that alone gives you new connections for new growth beyond the circle, because ultimately some of these coaches that I spend a lot of time, a lot of time with nowadays is I'm in groups of additional coaches. And then I'm also coaching coaches. So there's a lot of opportunity in mentoring. And then of course you have to have mentors around you. Who is thinking differently? Who is the one that's inspiring others? Who are the ones inspiring others in mass? Meaning lots of people. That's the ones that I gravitate to. That's the ones I happen to have in my circle. I have a lot of those. And, um, You got to have the mentor. You pick the level, but it isn't the same as yourself. It's got to be somebody above that. And then you Mm -hmm. have to be able to contribute to those coming up behind you that you need to contribute mentoring to them. As long as they welcome it, spend, spend your time there.
0: Yeah. You know, I think it's important. Um, Obviously it's been, for me, it's been very important to have those connections. And then, and then really, Look for you know additional connections and look in continuing that journey of, of looking for people to help inspire you, you know, yeah. and lead you, and give you new new
1: opportunities to grow. It's a big deal. You've um, heard you've heard me say this before. The but write your own obituary. I think yeah. you probably learned this eight nine years ago when you first came around me, and it's one of those goofy things that I asked of employees, managers, you know, team members, I just say, you know, what would your obituary look like and who would be present? Do you have aspirations of having an an auditorium of 500 to 1,000 people all saying, wow, that person taught me some amazing things? Or are you completely tent with having 10 people, just your close friends there? It doesn't matter which one you choose. It matters which ones you impact the most. We're only here to Mm -hmm. impact. That means serve people. And if you had the thousand people show up or standing room only during your funeral, what would that look like? Who would stand up and speak first? So when I ask those types of questions of the team members, they usually go like, oh, that's weird. (laughs) <laughs> but I can tell no. you cuz people I've got people on the team say, "Oh man, I'm just this people person. I just love all these people and I'm so well connected." And then you talk to them and they have one friend. And you're like, "Um, Houston, we got a confusion. We got a conflict here." So it's really really important that uh, you have those groups and you are truly impacting somebody else's life. And it doesn't matter who, you should be every day, get up and impact somebody's life in a positive way. We talk about that
0: uh, a lot, impacting others. And I think a lot of that is important when it comes to collaboration with your teams and working with your teams. And in the service industry, I think it's even more impactful, (laughs) you know? When you are advising leaders and, and other CEOs or managers how does collaboration come into the mix when you're trying to overcome challenges
1: at work? Well, leaders need to be highly decisive to start with. Collaboration is second to highly de- decisive m- maneuvers. If you're in a management, certainly in a leadership role, right, the LMA, the leading, managing, or accountability, if you're looking at the leading part of that, it's highly decisive. hmm And if you're going to make a large change, some, the team, the offerings, whatever you're doing in the service business, at the front desk, behind the desk, whatever you offer, there's gonna be a significant change. For me, I have a board, and that executive committee is the collaboration to the change. If there's something that just needs to be changed to best suit the company, I decide, we say, here's what it is, and this is what we're doing. We get team buy-in, after the decision. And so there's there's twofold there basically, be decisive. If you're gonna be a leader, it takes decision making, not delay making. We decide. And so that's really important. Uh, and then the collaboration is, if you're gonna shift the team, you're going to shift your offerings, have that as a collaboration. So it's everybody's idea, everyone has buy-in and you can make the delivery. That seems to work the best, at least that's what I've learned over the years.
0: Yeah. For the up and coming leader, the up and coming manager who is not yet, how important is collaboration in the, in the, if, from that perspective?
1: Uh, wherever you can contribute and impact is what needs to occur. So, if the um, meetings, the collaboration meetings, if they're structured and you have a very clear agenda and you're controlling that agenda, be very specific in that tell them what you're you're going for, tell them on the agenda that, that we're looking for a collaboration on these three items and then deliver content on the rest, usually reporting spreadsheet, content numbers, something like that. But be very specific in the agenda and then be very targeted. That will lead to great collaboration. And then that's an opportunity for impact to be impacted and to also impact.
0: Nice. Awesome, all right, well, let's take a moment take a break we're going to thank our sponsors and we'll be right back let's do it did you know that cgp maintenance and construction services inc are also commercial plumbers they added the plumbing division in 2000 and have been serving the nation's largest brands ever since they offer everything from cleaning drains camera work and grease trap repairs to full repipes pipes and dig ups so when your brand needs commercial plumbing remember call cgp They are ready to be on-site 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They specialize in restaurants, retail stores, commercial buildings, and hospitality. No matter what your plumbing needs may be, CGP is ready. And because they're a maintenance company, they can make the repairs needed after the plumbing is completed as well. One call will do it all. Call them today, 858-454-7326. Or check them out on the web at www.cgpconstruction.com. Give them a call today. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Sean Black. I'm here with Jim Robinson, the man that met the legend. What's up, buddy? Son of the moon. Son of the moon. Love it. We are talking about breaking through barriers uh, and, and, you know, and overcoming obstacles in the service industry. And Jim's perspective is, you know, it's opportunity.
1: Everything.
0: That's all it is. We talk about, you know, mindset. We talk about collaboration, teamwork, and really from a leader's perspective, what this looks like and also followers. And so I want to hop into goals. Something has <laughs> something mm-hmm. that I I know that's close to your heart. Uh we you know, we and we all need to be setting goals, but from a strategic standpoint, what can leaders or, or, or managers, even followers use, you know, to set realistic goals, to prioritize self-care and and really develop resilience. We just talked about this, man.
1: <laughs> Isn't that funny how these things light up? Kind of weird. Kind of weird. <laughs> Where do you want me to start on this thing? That's uh, the goal. Yeah. Setting. Well, what's your strategies when it comes to the goals? So goals are not the strategy you have to have strategy to get to the goal. So the goal is the written, you know, the dream, the pie in the sky in some cases. So if you're setting out, I have, I'm set out 20 years, by the way, which is a little bit goofy, but I'm set out for 20 years on what my targets and goals are. The strategy is what sometimes I have to do collaboratively, some the team, because I have aspirations for where the company needs to go, the legacy we're creating, And that's a collaboration. It's my goal. It came from me 40 years, you know, more than that. When I was 12, I figured out what I was going to be doing. And being able to target those goals, strategizing to get there, Mm -hmm. it takes a group in some cases, certainly mentors, certainly peer groups. You have to spend time talking about them. Um, For our teams, I always say submit the goal, you know, your weekly goal. On Monday, and then tell me on Friday how you how you achieved it, or did you learn? Does it need to postpone? What does that look like? One, it's teaching ownership of setting goals. It's building the muscle to set a goal. It's not a success story with everybody because we know only three percent—that's the last numbers I heard—only three percent of the world actually writes goals, even less journal. And um, uh, when I first really started coaching years ago. Uh, I'm friends with this guy now. I saw him just a couple of weeks ago. We spent a couple of days together, actually. And this guy owns a uh, significant amount of real estate, owns a title company, and very successful. He was a punk kid when I first met him. <laughs> and I say punk kid because he was, you know, five years younger than I was, and he had no idea what he was going to do with his life. And I made him all set. and I had a bunch of young kids back then because I was young. I still am. I sat them all down and they all had to write these goals. And all I did was give them a notepad and they literally a yellow piece of paper. And about 13 years ago, and this guy's name's Dan, by the way, Dan showed up and I hadn't seen him in many years. And about 13 years ago, he pulls me to the side and he says, I want to tell you something. He pulls out that yellow piece of paper and he says, do you remember when you made me write goals? And I I didn't, but I remember always telling people to write goals because I've just always done it. And he had written about a half a page of goals. He had his original yellow piece of paper some mm-hmm. 25 years later, and he showed me the list. He had literally checked off his list, and there was two things that he hadn't done on that list. He would literally accomplished all of them. One of his goals was is to own large commercial real estate. Somewhat ambiguous in his statement, he has several pieces of real estate, both residential and commercial today. He also put in there that he wanted to own a real estate office slash title. And I don't think he knew exactly what that meant. He owns a very large title company. And uh, it's in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And It was mind boggling to see how crystal clear his goals had become in his head and he achieved two things he didn't accomplish. He said that he wanted to be a uh, ski instructor in Colorado. He hadn't done that yet because he he said Vail, Colorado specifically, and he hadn't done that. Oddly enough, he was teaching kids how to ski in a small slope right outside of Milwaukee. So, part of the goal. That's pretty fair. Yeah, that's pretty fair. And he said in his goals that he never wanted to be divorced. He didn't win at that. He did have a divorce. He's remarried. Mm. He has two kids now. He's doing very well. But he, um, literally a half page of goals, has set him up for tremendous success. Financial success, connection success, health health success, and just be a community servant he serves in the community with the help ho- the homeless folks his wife is very much involved in protecting the environment there's a lot of tremendous things came out of him setting those goals he's a great example as to why i continue ask people to write goals he's the rare he's the rarity because literally only 3 people in the world 3% of the world writes goals down and so that's a staggering number but you can also figure out who is the highly successful, the highly notable people, they're the ones that you see. Mm -hmm. They're the most visible because they had written goals and they literally pursued them. And they can be super ambiguous, but write it down. If you want to buy a new car, write it down. If you want some other kind of a change, make sure you write it down. If you want to own a home on the lakefront, write it down. Setting goals is imperative to how a company will grow. And just for the team to keep hearing about goals, whether they do it or not, is still instilling in in their head. They think differently about setting goals and achievements.
0: That's interesting. You know, and I think one of the things I've learned from you, quite honestly, is is to really view, we're talking about setbacks, is to view setbacks as learning experiences. You know, what did you learn from that? And achieve the goals that you had set, you know, you know that you had written down, and continue to achieve those. And and as as a leader uh, and our CEO, do you or do you find it challenging? And I know you don't, but maybe some people do find it challenging to continue to stick to those goals, even when they have setbacks, even when the market's not performing, even when you know you name it X. But how important it is you know, for them to learn from those experiences and, and then how do you really continue to stick to those goals even though you're having challenges?
1: Yeah, setting goals isn't about the goal. Mm-hmm. Setting goals is about the journey. So you set a goal to take you on a new journey and from that new journey, you will develop new goals or new aspirations. The goal of having a lakefront property means you're going to call the real estate agent. You're going to look into funding. You're going to look at your pocketbook and see how much you can afford. That's the opportunity in setting that goal. Mm. Because you just figured out your finances. You just met new people that's in the real estate business. And you looked at real estate opportunities. You may end up buying a commercial strip center close by the lake. It's a journey in setting that goal. No matter what it is, it takes you on a new path, a new highway, like a locomotive. And you're going to experience brand new things. It's all about the learning part of that. I set tremendous goals that some of them would be crazy to some people. I told my wife the other day, I gave her a very specific example. She's like, that's just crazy. (laughs) That's exactly what you did. And I'm like, but when I wrote it, I had no idea. All I knew is I needed to be on that target, that trajectory. And the accomplishment was surpassed what the actual goal was and I had told her I said I got to redo that goal because it was weak today it appears weak back 30 years or 25 years ago when I originally wrote it and I put a timeline on it when I originally wrote it I'm like I don't know how would I ever possibly get there and I've far surpassed what that goal was and it's I'm like it wasn't strong enough go big don't be afraid of going big because it takes you on a journey. Setting goals isn't about the actual goal. It's about the journey to get to the goal. And I guarantee you, almost guarantee you, the goal will change. It'll evolve. It'll become different. It'll become bigger. It'll change. Set the goal. Why do you think
0: people, you, we talk about the 2%, 2 3% of the, of the population, they set goals. Why do, you, why do you think the other 98% don't?
1: Fear of failure. Mm. Just fear. You only get two choices, faith or fear. Faith, the belief that you can accomplish, or fear, the knowing that you won't. And so the fear is what really, really sets in. And that's a learned fear. It's not an innate. It's not innate. Yeah. We are born with two fears, right? Falling down loud noises. That's it. The rest <laughs> of it is a learned behavior. And our little self-talk in our head, you know, when you say, geez, I'm going to go meet my friends on Friday, I'm going to try and meet my friends on Friday, and then you can't make it. Your little brain says, I told you you can't make it. And so we start promoting self-talk in the negative way. See, I told you you couldn't do it. I told you you wouldn't have time. I told you you wouldn't be successful. And then that'll manifest itself. And most people won't write goals because of that. Mm Mm-hmm. What would you say
0: to a leader who is working through and and doing the things that you're talking about? But just, I think I don't know if it's true that some people just get beat up. You know, there's a lot of opportunity to 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 grow and do this stuff. But man, it takes a toll. In and for those who are losing faith, or they are they're trying. See, there's the word trying. If if they're if they're not accomplishing what they want.
1: What, would you, what advice would you give those leaders? Well, leaders are more than likely in that three percentile that are writing goals. Mm-hmm. It's likely. Um, that's why they're getting the traction that they're getting. Right. Uh, the beat up is what I experience every single day. Right. And the beat up is from self-talk, not from society. So some guy runs you off the road and you're like, what? You know, go after that guy. It's got zero to do with that guy. It literally has got nothing. It's our self. It's the value we have. It's what we've been exposed to in the past. And now that's the only thing that will manifest. We've got to change that. So what if you experience that guy trying to run you off the road, the beatings you're talking about, and you say, wow, that guy really needs my help. Maybe something happened that isn't any good. Maybe I can contribute in a different way. And when I get to the office, I'm going to look around and pick somebody that I can contribute to in some fashion. They need my support. They need my shoulder. They need me to go get them a bagel. Something, not necessarily the guy that ran you off the highway, but impact somebody else as a result of that negativity. Change it to the positive and serve somebody as a result of that. Somebody running you off the road is all about them. They got some challenge. Don't make it about self. And when there's some negativity coming at us, I get it all day long as an owner. Hmm. It's market conditions, it's society, it's the hiring, it's the clientele, it's negativity can come at you in a vast different, you know, all kinds of ways. And I'm married. So I also have the opportunity,
0: <laughs> opportunities at home.
1: Yeah. And the readers on that. Is,
0: <laughs>
1: those things coming at us in a negative way have zero to do with us 99% of the time. It's really the individual. So we can change the self talk and we start changing that to like, wow, that's sad. I feel bad for that individual. But here's what I can do to impact somebody else as a result of that experience because I just learned. Yeah. So empathy. Empathy is very important. And the more adverse experiences we have the more we can have our common sense goes up our empathy goes up our compassion for others goes up so we have to have adversity to be able to to be able to increase what we offer without adversity there's zero common sense take the recent generation we shielded them as parents we didn't want any adversity what is the number one thing people say today Common it's sense soft. isn't so
0: common.
1: <laughs> right. yeah. Common sense isn't so common. That's just the catchphrase of the last you know, generation. And it's because we shielded them from adversity. They didn't have the flat tires. We automatically just went to discount or wherever and we bought all brand new tires all the time. They didn't have the flat tire opportunity. They didn't have the water pump go out. Like some of my generation, thermostats, water pumps, belts, generators, alternators, they just went out. We had to put them on. I wasn't, we didn't have anybody. We didn't have a credit card to go slide and, you know, say the thing. So we went through lots of adversity and adversity creates a moderate, much stronger common sense. And it gives you empathy, compassion, a better understanding. Today we have some that are very shielded. They don't have all that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. As we wrap up here, I'd love to hear any final thoughts that you have or advice for listeners who are facing op- obstacles or challenges uh, in their service industry careers,
1: you know, I you you know the listeners probably know that I served on this chair role for a little over eight years for a homeless facility and transition center that they're getting people off streets and getting them clean sober and giving them a new life. And when you think you have adversity. I would tell you to go spend some time serving the homeless folks. Don't judge them. Serve them. Because it's easy to judge. It's very easy to judge what their circumstances are, but you don't know. You don't know their pain they went through, that gave them the crutch, that gave them the need, and then gave them the addiction. You don't know that, so don't judge it. I would encourage you to go spend time there because that would teach you adversity is what took them there. They didn't approach adversity in a positive way. It's really important mm-hmm. we make that mind shift. When I was serving the president or CEO of that community, he's now gone. He came into a meeting one day, and this was a, probably about five, six years ago, maybe, maybe when I first started getting around him, actually. He's, he comes in, and he is a very faith-based guy. And he says, you know, you got to see everything as an opportunity. And he says, I had calls all night that we have this horrible cockroach infestation. And he says, I am so blessed that we have a cockroach infestation. Because I asked through the team, the, the people that had joined us as participants in our program to get clean and sober, I asked around and I met a man that is a certified pest control person that happened to you know, lose his way. And he says, without all of those cockroaches in our building, I'd have never met that man. I'd have never had the opportunity to impact him. Worse, I would have never been impacted by him because I'd have never met him. Mm. And so figuring out the positivity and things, that was really a great opportunity to hear a story very specific from a nasty cockroach, what that cockroach actually exposed him to and gained from. And now, of course, they don't have cockroach problems because we've got an amazing pest control guy on the team he's participating he got clean and sober and now he serves the community for us and it was just a tremendous story how we can change anything into a positive and it was and we've really impacted some people with multiple stories after story after story much like the flat tire embrace the fact that it that it happened because it'll change you it'll grow you give you a brand new opportunity and perspective
0: awesome Great advice. I love it, man. We've learned a lot of stuff today. The power of empathy, power of, you know, uh, of the mindset, you know, how you see the world and how it affects others, and power of really serving other people and, and how that can really impact you as a person who is, you know, just as much, or if not more, as the person you're serving. So a lot of things to do to be able to change the way we look at the world and get through the perceived obstacles. Good stuff, man. Value bombs all the way through this thing.
1: <laughs> you'll, you'll get what you believe. If you believe it's a negative, you're going to feel negative. You believe it's a positive, you're going to feel positive, and other people will be greatly impacted by the positivity. Outstanding. All right, man.
0: Well, thank you. That's it. We're out of time. I'm going to wrap up. As always, thank you for being on the podcast with me. I, I learn every single time, so I appreciate it. And. For everyone who is listening out there on your favorite podcast platform, don't forget to hit subscribe, give us a like, leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. If you're watching on YouTube, be sure to hit the subscribe button and hit the little bell for notifications so you know when Jim is dropping some value bombs.
1: That's it. Thanks, buddy. Bing, bing, hit the button. Let's do this. Appreciate it. Thank you much.